0: And it is 7 o'clock and that means that we are here. Uh, I say we, I'm here and I hope you're there and I hope that you are listening in tonight whether you're watching us on Facebook Live or whether you're listening in on Blog Talk Radio. We've got both going tonight and uh, we're going to be in Proverbs. But it is good to be here. It's good to be meeting with you regardless of whether we're in person or not. Uh, I look forward to to seeing everybody back on sunday but until then we'll have to make do with this and i thank god for technology i thank god for the ability to be able to do this but i want you to take your bible tonight and i want you to turn to proverbs chapter 14 proverbs chapter 14 and we're going to look at verses 15 through 21 tonight And i'll give everybody just a minute to get on and uh I want to mention uh Several prayer requests tonight. I know that uh, you know our nation always needs prayer. Our nation's in a horrible mess, as and what we're facing in America tonight is the judgment of God, and uh, we're facing the judgment of God because America is deep in sin. America has turned away from the Word of God. America has turned away from the house of God, and um, churches are dying all over America because people have just stopped going. Uh, you know, this COVID mess, this was, boy, the devil used it. He used it mightily to try to get people out of the routine of going to God's house and the routine of meeting together with God's people. And uh, and when people get out of a routine, it's hard to get back in one. And uh, anyway, I'm not going to belabor that tonight. I want to get into the message. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Let's ask God to meet with us. And uh, you pray for me tonight as we, uh, as we go to the Word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I do love you. I thank you tonight for the, this opportunity to teach your people, to preach from the Word of God. and Lord, I don't take it lightly. I don't take this uh, what you called me to, this calling lightly. Father, I know it's important, Father. We have we have uh, many people who listen to this. We have many people that, that attend our church that need these truths, and we all need it, Lord. Help us, Father. Holy Spirit of God, open our understanding. Help us to focus on these truths. And not just hear them, but apply them. Hide them in our hearts. That uh, when the time comes, Lord, we need these things, Father. They'll be close at hand, and the Holy Spirit of God be able to take them and bring them to our remembrance. So, Father, I pray now over these these uh, these seven passages, uh, seven verses of Scripture tonight from Proverbs. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would open my understanding and help me to teach, help me to preach tonight, and use me, Lord, to shine the light of truth into somebody's darkness to help them, Father. And, Lord, I just pray now that you'll bless, Lord, that you'll forgive me of any sin in my life that would hinder you, the message coming forth in power. I pray, Lord, you cleanse me, and I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you fill me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. You use me tonight for Jesus' honor and glory. That's my heart's desire, and I give you all the all the glory and the praise for it, Lord, for you deserve every bit of it. In your name we pray. Amen. came out while I was praying. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14 Verse 15 through 21 tonight. Let's begin there in verse 15. The Bible says there in verse 15, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. Now, a lot of times when we've looked at this this word, the simple, this man, the simple, he's described as the simple, but it, it, the the meaning of the word, sometimes it leans more toward the definition of uh, of stupid or um uh, inexperienced, naive. I, I guess what we're kind of looking at tonight is naive rather than stupid. It's one thing to be stupid. Stupid's when you, uh, you you know better, but you go ahead and do it anyway. But naive, I think, is when you when you really uh, you, you don't know better. You, you know, but you don't know better. So let's let's kind of look at what it means. The, the simple that God's talking about here—they're naive people. They believe anything. You ever met anybody like that? You could tell them anything, and they believe it. Say so on a sunny day, and tell them it's raining. I they, they, they think they're getting wet. And, and and but but some people will believe anything they're told, uh, not because of ignorance or whatever, because they don't have any convictions. They don't they don't have any absolutes in their life. Nothing nothing grounds them in truth. So whatever they hear, it's like well, why not? You know, um, I've met some people like that. I think they're willfully ignorant. They, I've met it, it seemed like I always uh, in my youth. I met some. Uh, some girl who called herself so spiritual, you know, they'd, they'd they'd say how spiritual they were, but the truth of it is they really didn't believe anything. They were open to anything, and uh, the Bible just simple. Believe every word. You can tell them anything. As a matter of fact, I mean that so anything new. Um, and the reason for this, they think that they're tolerant, and they think that's a good virtue. They. They, they they think it's sophisticated tolerance, you know. They believe they'll go along with whatever, but it's only it's spiritual ignorance is what it is, uh, because they lack the ability to to dis- discriminate or discern between truth and error. So just whatever they'll accept whatever you hand them, and uh, they, they're the kind of people that, that they say oh I, I go to every, I go to all different kinds of churches. I, I, it doesn't make a difference to me. I just go to any of them. Uh, you know I may, I believe you can meet God at any of them. Well, it depends on whether or not they're telling the truth or not. And some places they're giving you straight lies and straight errors, so you can't believe just everything you hear. Now, to believe every word of God, you should believe every word of God. To believe every word of God is faith. That's trust in God. But to believe every word of man, that's just gullibility. And uh, I hope and pray you're not one of those kind of people that will just accept anything. You have to have some truth. You have to have some absolutes in your life. And I know we're living in a troubled time. I know we're living in a confusing time. We're living in a time when people who do have convictions, who do stand on things, are considered bigots. Uh, we're not. If not, we're not considered ignoramuses for doing so. You know, uh, they call us they call us uh, idiots for leaning on a religious crutch like the Bible. Well, uh, I'll take the Bible over your 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 intelligence uh, any day of the week. But it it's popular these days and it's and it's politically correct to be open minded and uh and, and to not criticize what other people think or believe. You know, we're supposed to just accept anything and everything. And and you know, as they say, judge not, even though they don't understand that God tells us to judge righteous judgment. So we're to judge things according to his word, not according to our open mindedness or our opinion. And that's where they're wrong, see. Uh, again, they think whatever you believe, whatever, school, just we'll accept whatever, uh, except when it comes to, you know, maybe cashing a check when they're broke. Then, then they care about numbers and facts and figures. Or maybe, uh, you know, when they're really, really sick and they need to get a prescription filled, they won't just take any medicine. They want the stuff that will help them. Uh, or or maybe, you know, uh, maybe if they're lost and they need directions. They don't just want any directions. They want the right directions. People don't believe. In absolutes, uh, you know, and and you got to. They they insist there's no such thing as a, an objective truth. According to them, whatever feels good down inside you is your truth. You've heard people say that. Well, that's this is I'm speaking my truth. Well, there is no your truth. There's the truth, and and, and whether you line up with it or not, that's up to you. But there's no your truth. There's just the truth. And, uh, and 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 b you know, but but people believe that you know whatever you feel like, whatever that's your truth. Ain't nobody got no right to criticize you for what you believe, cause that's your truth. But again, uh, you know, you can't apply that philosophy to money, you know, because the principles of money or the principles of money is not your principles of money. It's it's the way the way money works. Uh, you know, medicine, you can't just take it however you want to. You have to take it the way they tell you to. You know, mechanics, it only runs if you have the car engine tuned the right way. It's not the way you want it tuned. You know, and maps, you have to follow them according to the the way the map goes, not according to the way you interpret it. Because if you try to do those things and try to be open-minded about everything, you'll be, good night, you're going to be mixed up in life. Uh, A man named Brooks Atkinson said, people everywhere enjoy believing things that they know are not true. It spares them the ordeal of thinking for themselves and taking responsibility for what they know. So they'd rather believe a lie uh, than to think for themselves. The old saying, what you don't know won't hurt you, that's not true. Uh, You know, a doctor will tell you that. What you don't know may kill you. Uh, You know, a mechanic will tell you that too. You may not know your brake line got cut. And, you know, say, well, I don't know won't hurt me. Well, wait till you step on the brake going downhill in the curve and see what happens. What you don't know could kill you. The simple that we're talking about here in this verse, let me get back to it, the simple believeth every word. Um, the simple because they uh, they're simple because they reject the truth of God's word. Because again, God's word gives to the simple. They say they stay they choose to stay simple, they choose to stay igno- ignorant, they choose to stay uh, uh, uh just blind to the truth, again, because, you know, they'd have to let God change them, and they don't want to. Uh, they love their simplicity. They love the fact that they're, they're gullible, but they believe anything, and they want to stay that way. They don't want to critically think. They don't want to uh, judge things based on the Word of God. They refuse to take a stand for anything, and they fall for everything. And, the, and what that does is it saves them the trouble of having to think. It, it saves them from having to do critical thinking. It saves them from having to study. It saves them from having to pray. It saves them from having to go to God for wisdom. So they just won't, they don't take a stand on anything. So they don't, have to, they don't have to depend on anything outside themselves. And so instead of working hard to, to dig in the mind of God's wisdom for truth, they just prefer to kick back and take it easy and just pick up whatever cheap trinkets they can find along the way. The simple, they they, they, believe, they believe in anything. Things. They believe in every word, but the prudent man, that's the careful man. The Bible says he looketh well to his going. He's careful. He makes sure that he's doing things according to the word of God uh, and that he's not making uh, not just the big decisions in his life, but the small ones too. You know, again, the Bible says the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. So we better be in tune with God to make sure we're walking his way. Because, you see, there's a broad way that leadeth unto destruction, and there's a narrow path, a straight path that leadeth unto life. And the Bible says few there be that find it. Because most people want to take the easy path because, they, again, they don't want to think for themselves. They don't want to, they don't want to uh, uh, judge things according to the word of God. They just soon do it the easy way. And the easy way will lead you to perdition, and that's the truth. Verse 16. The Bible says the wise man feareth and departeth from evil. But the fool rageth and is confident. Let me read that again. The wise man feareth and departeth from evil, because he sees that he sees what the evil is going to do to him. Uh, and, and he hates the evil, so he departs from it. But the Bible says the fool rageth and is confident. That means he just keeps on going straight on ahead. You know. Again, the wise man he'll fear the Lord that that's you know that's that's part of being a believer is fearing the Lord and that, when I say fear the Lord, I know some of you out there maybe maybe you're not in church you don't read your Bible much maybe you're not uh used to that language of fearing the Lord. But what does that mean? It means to reverence the lord <laughs> let me let me tell you something. A man goes into a courtroom and he's and he's charged with a crime and and they say, "All right, he stands up for that for that judge out of respect because he knows that judge holds in his hand uh his innocence or guilt i mean the ruling and and what he's going to uh what he's going to have to serve or not serve, so he reverences that man and he's not going to stand up in that courtroom if he has any sense at all and make a scene and cause that judge to look at him unfavorably and so we, we need to we need to understand that that we'd be wise to revere god because god made us this is his world and everything in it and he holds he holds our eternity in his hands i mean listen we're his children we're his sheep sheep of his pasture and the bible says the wise man feareth you know you're wise to realize that he's god and you're not and, and you never will be the bible says that that you'll fear the lord and you'll in and, and, and you'll you'll get away from evil. You'll depart. The self confident person is not wise. Even though you may have been told that by the world that that to be confident in yourself was a good thing. No, it's not. It's not. It's not wise. I tell you, Joshua in Joshua chapter seven, uh, Joshua got confident in himself, and they were going to go up against this city called Ai, and he thought, Oh yeah, well we've not won so many battles. We've not whooped so many other cities on our way into the promised land. We can just sent a few thousand down there, and we got this battle in hand. And lo and behold, you know what happened? A bunch of them died. They started losing people on the battlefield, and and uh, because he got self confident, and they ended up losing the battle, which they'd never lost the battle before. Um, you take that old boy Samson, the Nazarite, you know the one, long hair, uh, laid in Delilah's lap, you know the one. He got self confident. He thought he was. He thought he had it all together. And uh, he thought he could go on like he was, playing around, running with prostitutes and, and uh, defiling himself and doing whatever he wanted to do. And he got a little too self-confident, and he wound up losing his power. He wound up a prisoner with his eyes put out. That's in Judges 16, if you want to look at it and read that. Old uh, Apostle Peter. You remember what happened to Peter? He uh, The night before Jesus was betrayed, the night Jesus was betrayed, he told Jesus, he said, listen, Lord, I'll go with you to death. I, I, I won't ever leave your side. And uh, he was self-confident. And he Jesus told him, he said, "He said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me thrice. And he did. And that's in Luke 22, 33, and 34. So, again, it's not good to be self-confident and feel like you've got it all in hand, because the truth of it is we don't. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, Take heed or pay attention lest he fall. So we're not to get all cocky and think that we've got it all figured out and, and that we can handle this life because truth of it is, the minute you start thinking you've got it in hand, the minute you start thinking that you're in control and calling shots, that's when God will just pull that rug right out from under you and puts you flat on your back looking up where you remember who's in charge. Believe me. Ask me how I know that. Yeah, I've been on my back a time or two. Amen? But Listen. I figured out it's not it's not me. It's not me. I don't have the answers. Hey, it's that King James Bible right there on my shirt. That's where I find them answers. Amen. And if you're smart, that's where you'll find them too because that's where God tells us the answers. Why does why people, listen, he that thinketh he standeth, let him take heed lest he fall. See, why does people don't take unnecessary chances and experiment to see how close they can get to the edge without falling over it or falling in? They don't do that. You know, when Joseph was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife was coming on to him when there wasn't nobody else in the house and Potiphar was out of town and Joshua was just a young man and he was probably a good-looking fella, and here she was, his, that man's wife, and, you know, she was a good-looking woman, probably had all kinds of appeal and everything, and, and she came on to him heavy. And what did he do? He got so he got so uh, serious about getting away from sin that he, he run plumb out of his clothes and got out of there. Uh, so when he was confronted with evil, he fled. He did exactly what the Bible says. A wise man feareth and departed from the evil. Don't stand there and think, oh, I can, I can stand up to her uh, attention and her flirtatiousness and her come-ons. I can handle this. No, he'd have been in trouble. He'd, he'd done lost his head if he'd have done that. He'd have lost his life. See, uh, the Bible tells us the fool rages and is confident. See, the fool doesn't fear God. The fool doesn't fear man. Uh, and, and he uses his mouth against both. He talks bad. He, smack, he runs his mouth against God and talks smack against God. He talks it against man, too. Oh, ain't either one going to do nothing to me. I'll be fine. I can do whatever I want to do. But, you know, he's a fool. That's why he talks like that. But, you know, even if he doesn't run his mouth and doesn't say it on the outside, he rages in his heart against God because his actions, you know, even if his words say one thing, his actions prove the other way. And uh he, again, he rages against God in his, in his heart, and he does it in his word, and the things that he says, uh, God um, which forbids the practice of the sins that he loves to commit. He rages against God. Why? Because he loves to commit his sins, and he's going to keep on doing it. Um, and he's confident you know what he's confident that no evil's going to become of it either. He's confident in himself that that ain't nothing gonna happen. He ain't got no concerns about the future. He can keep on doing whatever he wants to do. He hasn't got no fear of hell. He ain't got no fear of damnation. So he just goes on confidently that nothing can stop him. He's just gonna keep on living how he wants to live. And again, the fool rages and is confident. He pushes on in his sin, regardless of the laws of God or man. The advice of the counsel of friends doesn't make any difference. So what's going to happen to him? Just keeps right on going until he winds up with his end. Verse 17 says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. So he that is soon angry. I bet you can guess what that means. We're going to take a look at the quick-tempered man for a minute. I've known some of them. I, I, I'll be honest with you. In my younger days, I, I was one of them. I, I lost my temper pretty quickly when I was younger. Uh, I had a tendency to not put up with a lot of nonsense. Uh, probably because I grew up with a daddy who didn't have much uh, much of a of a fuse either. And I've had to work on that. And I praise God; he's he's helped me, and I'm. And i got a handle on things. But I, I, I tell you, it's, it's very easy to let your flesh get the best of you if you're not careful. And uh, But that's not me anymore. But I can tell you, it, it doesn't take much for somebody um, who's not close to God, for somebody who's full of themselves and full of their flesh. Uh, it, it doesn't take much to set them off. And the Bible says that a person who, who, who's like that, they deal foolishly. They, they do it without thinking. They get angry, quick, and resentful. Um, they, they say things and they, and they do things, foolish things, uh, that they're sorry for afterwards, but it's too late. As I told a friend of mine the other day, I heard a song lyric that said, you, you can't call words and bullets back. Once they're out there, they ain't coming back. And uh, anyway, this this man, again, he, he, he does foolish things and he's sorry for them. later, Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirreth up strife, he causes problems, he's angry. As soon as that fuse goes, boy, he just, he blows up, and he causes uh, trouble amongst those that are around him. The Bible said, a furious man aboundeth in transgression. he's like a bomb that goes off, explodes, and and things in his way get damaged. Um, You know, whether it's somebody's feelings or whether it's somebody's uh, arm or their neck or whatever it might be, that angry man, a furious man, again, he's blinded by rage. And, you know, there's no telling how many domestic abuse cases and homicides have taken place. Why? Because somebody flew off the handle, lost control, blew their top, and and resorted to violence. Again, a a man of wicked devices is hated. He hides his anger. He covers his resentment, contrives a scheme to get revenge, and he waits for an opportunity to execute his plan. He's hateful toward God. He's hateful toward man, and ain't nobody likes somebody like that. Ain't nobody wants to be around somebody like that. I'll tell you that person right there is 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 headed for headed for the judgment of God. They're headed for destruction. When you when you're constantly angry, you you got nothing ahead of you but but trouble. Verse eighteen, verse eighteen. Um, it says the simple inherit folly. The simple inherit folly but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The simple inherit folly. Think with me for just a second back to chapter seven, if you would. Do you remember the simple, simple young man who was messing around in the street and he got down on the wrong corner and he ran into the prostitute and uh, she talked her sweet talk to him and told her, told him her husband was out of town and come on over and she had the house ready for him and, and uh she ended up leading him like an animal to the slaughter you know i used to work at the slaughterhouse <clears throat> my son works kill floor right now and my youngest jackson works the kill floor and uh you know we talk about it every now and then those cows they get them lined up in that chute and <clears throat> you know one walks in here in a minute there's a gunshot. And and that one's gone and dispatched. And 10 minutes later, there's another one lined up. And they open the door, and he walks in and says, hey, this is the end of the line. And they shut the gate behind him. And you know what? At that point, they know it's the end of the line. And uh, I tell you what, they don't know it till they get inside there. But once they get inside there and, and they see, that, they, they know. There's blood on the floor. They know it's the end of the line. And I tell you, but they don't know it until then. But that's the same way it is with a fool because a fool can't see it coming. He's lined up in the slaughterhouse of life, headed for his own destruction and he doesn't realize it until it's come to an end and then it's too late i I watched a video just the other day it was a a, a lady uh, I know it was it was it was uh, it was acted out, but it was supposed to be a, a woman an older lady and she had dementia alzheimer's and her and her grandson talking to her. And he was saying to her, he said, you know, you've lived, a, you've lived a good life. You haven't done hardly anything wrong your whole life. And, and, and look at you now. Look at what all your praying did for you. Uh, I, he said, you're the nicest person I know, and I'm the meanest person I know. You say God is, is just. How is this just? How is it right? And she said to him, she said, you know, sometimes sometimes the devil makes our jail cell so comfortable that we don't want to leave. And he leaves the door wide open. And it stays wide open the whole time. We can walk out of it any time we want to because our time is not up. But it's so comfortable in our jail cell that we don't want to leave. And we're there with the door wide open until it's not and it slams shut and it's too late and life is over and you thought you had more time and you didn't do anything about your soul. And now you got to face God, and you got to face God in your sins, and you're going to go to hell and burn forever because you didn't do anything about your sins. That's what the that's what's happening to the simple. He's going to inherit folly. Why? Because he he didn't listen to God. He just went on ahead and did what it felt good to him instead of doing what was right. Uh, again, sometimes sometimes the simple they learn when they see somebody else go through the same thing they're going through and and and. Pay for it when they see somebody else you know somebody who's running around drinking and acting stupid, they see somebody else have a bad drunk driving accident and get killed. sometimes it'll sober them up and and they'll turn to God and straighten out, but sometimes they won't sometimes they won't so a wise person learns from instruction, but sometimes it takes the simple person seeing somebody destroyed in front of them before they learn, but the wise person sees the danger coming. And they avoid it. But the simple don't. They just walk right straight into it, uh, just just like a man walking straight into a spider web but without any any insight and seeing it coming. You know, they walk right into it, and now they're in it. They're wound up in it. Um, some people just have to learn the hard way, I guess. You know, I told, we talk about kids all the time, about how teenagers, they, they just they got to try it for themselves to find out. And they end up hurting themselves all the time. But, you know every one of us is ignorant of some things you know but the person that that god is describing here is ignorant of their ignorance and uh and they're unwilling to learn i mean again we don't know everything so we're ignorant of things but if i know that i'm ignorant of something then i want to learn but the but the man god's talking about doesn't know they ain't got a clue Uh, the fact is you know there's a bible to read we ain't got an excuse there's a Bible to read. We've got a life to build. We've got an eternity to prepare for, and it's foolish to be ignorant, to just sit back and say, well, I don't know, so I guess I just don't know. Well, learn. Apply yourself to wisdom. Apply your heart to learning. Apply your heart to wisdom, and don't just say, well, I just don't know. Uh, you've got a Bible you can read. You've got a Bible you can study. You've got a God you can talk to. You can get on your knees. The Holy Spirit lives in you to guide you if you're saved. You've got no reason or excuse to not learn, except that you just don't want to. Um, Verse 19, the evil bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The evil bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Now, where do the gates of the righteous lead to, you think? I think it leads to godly life, don't you think? I mean, going through the gate of the righteous, it leads to where the righteous go. And the righteous, righteous lead a godly life. So it's talking about the path that leads to a uh, walk of the Christian with the Lord. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a precious place. Not everybody walks that walk. Uh, the lost don't know anything about that walk. Again, it's a place of protection. It's, it's the gates of the righteous. It's inside the gates of the righteous. That's a precious place with God. Uh, David talks about this in Psalm 118, verse 19 and 20. It says, he says, open to me the gates of the righteous. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. So you have the gates of the righteous and you have what's beyond the gates of the righteous and you have what stands outside the gates of the righteous. So let me give you some help here. On the worldly side of this gate, there ain't no power. If you're a believer and you don't want to walk with God and you're backslidden and you're living in the world and doing worldly things, there is no power in your life whatsoever. God's power is not working in your life. The Spirit of God is not going to work in a a profane environment. The Holy Spirit of God is not going to work in sinful things. So until you repent and come out of those things and, and dedicate your heart and your life to God, you're not going to have any power. But once you begin to dedicate yourself to living for God, when you begin to surrender your life, yourself, your flesh to him, and say, God, I want you to use me. Lord, I want you to help me to be a better person to my spouse, to my children, to my neighbors, to my friends by, by living through me, by, by loving others through me, by, Lord, me, me sacrificing myself, getting out of the way. And letting you shine letting letting your love come through me instead of my mood or my 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 best efforts because whatever we try to do is not going to be enough we need to really depend on god to live through us and to show others him his, his presence in us and uh well like i said on the worldly side of that gate there isn't any power so i think you don't want to stay there but on the other side on the godly side, through that gate of the righteous the Bible talks about, what is there when you walk with God? Well, there's safety when you walk with God. God protects his children. God God watches out for those uh, who walk with him because, wow, they're walking with him. They're, they're with the shepherd. You know, again, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, you know, we don't have to worry. God prepares the table for me in the presence of mine enemies. There's peace there. He He says, "I will lay down and uh, you know He lead me beside He uh, He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. So there's peace inside the gates of the righteous, and there's power there inside the gates of the righteous." See, on on that side, the enemy can't. The reason he can't touch you is because the enemy is not allowed into the gates of the righteous because he's not righteous. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if you'll walk with God, there is safety and peace and security there. There is power there when you're walking with God versus not walking with God. So the evil bow before the good. The evil can't come that way. Uh, They stop at the gates of the wicked. And and that's, again, that's the place of peace and safety and comfort for, for the believer. Verse 20. We're almost there, y'all. Verse 20. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. That doesn't sound right, does it? That sounds terrible. But I want you to understand something about this verse of Scripture. This verse is not highlighting the good of men. It's highlighting the bad of men. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. there's there's so much proof in the Bible that it was written by God because man would brag on himself. Man would not tear himself down. Man does not want to make himself look bad. He'd try to puff himself up, make himself look good. But this verse tells the honest, ugly truth about the nature of man's flesh, about the way we are. You know, again, he may have been friendly with his neighbor in the past, maybe his neighbor had wealth in the past. But now he's, now he's lost it. You know, maybe they shared interest. Maybe they shared time together in the past. But now his neighbors fell on hard times. And it's become more difficult to want to spend time with him. And why? It, because now he'll feel obligated to help him in his need constantly. So what does he do? He'll avoid him. Instead of helping him, he'll make himself scarce. Instead of lifting his neighbor up, he'll, he'll just let his neighbor stay down there. He dodges his neighbor at every opportunity to avoid awkward conversations with his neighbor. But it's the complete opposite of his neighbor's rich. You know, the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich have many friends. So if, if you're rich, it's the opposite. Um, it's especially true of people who stumbled into riches. You know, boy, I tell you what, they're gonna, they'll find out real soon they got friends they didn't even know existed. And relatives they didn't even know existed. You know, you hear these stories about people that, that win the lottery, and suddenly they ever, they got friends. I mean, they come out of the woodwork. People just come out of everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can, we kin, folks. You're my cousin, or, or you're my buddy. I mean, you're going to have all kinds of fast friends. You take, you take for example, uh, the prodigal son. When he got that money from his dad and he took off down to the big city, man, he had plenty of people want to spend that money. Proverbs 9, 4. It says, wealth maketh many friends. Mm-hmm. Again, they all want to spend your money. But the poor is separated from his neighbor because nobody wants to hang around with somebody that's needy. Because, again, well, it'd be you. It wouldn't be your friend. So, again, wealth, man, everybody wants to be your friend. Many will entreat the favor of the prince. The Bible says there in chapter 19, verse 6. Many people that go ask the prince for help go on, because the prince is the son of the king. He's got all kinds of pool. He's got all kinds of, of resources. And every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Yeah, of course. If you if you've given out presents and, and handing out handing out hundred dollar bills, you'll have a trail of people following you down the street. You'll have you'll be the you'll be the most popular guy in town. But let's look down at verse twenty one. We're gonna wrap this thing up and put a bow on it. It says in verse 21, he that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Despising your neighbor because he's poor is sinful. That's, that's just what God says. There's just, just no other way of looking at it. Proverbs 11, 12 says, he that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor. He's void of wisdom. If he despises his neighbor and a man of understanding holdeth his peace, you know God says he ain't got to lick a sense if he's hating on his neighbor, and I think there's several reasons for that number one god put God puts you next door to each other for a reason uh God don't put you next door to somebody for for absolutely no reason whatsoever. You know, you're there to be a help and a blessing if you can be. So God puts you next door to somebody for that reason. And to ignore that, you're ignoring the will of God. And, uh, you know, God's got a plan. And, and God God wants us to love our neighbor. The Bible talks about it, uh, loving our neighbor as ourself. You know, that's the person that dwells closest to us. And they, they ought to dwell close to us securely they ought to be able to count on us and us count on them that's the way neighbors are supposed to be that's what the term being neighborly is all about is having each other's back and looking out for one another and and that's what this country was built on was people uh taking care of one another and helping one another and and we've gotten away from that and that's why our that's one of the reasons our country is suffering but you see that neighborly spirit it comes from being a child of god uh, the whole idea of loving your neighbor that comes from the bible so Again, that's a, that's a, that's a God thing, and uh, if we're if we're willing to line up with God, then we'll we'll begin to understand His wisdom, and we'll begin to rebuild the kind of world God would have us live in. You know, Proverb seventeen five says, "Whoso mocketh the poor reproacheth his neighbor." Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Whoso mocketh the poor reproacheth his Maker. So, God says that it's foolish. God says it's sinful, God says if you mock your your uh your neighbor that you are insulting God. that's what it means to reproach your maker. It means you're insulting God, so don't be a fool and don't insult God by making fun of those who don't have very much you know i remember i remember in in high school you know there'd be some kid who uh didn't have much um I remember one little boy when I was in elementary I remember everybody picking on him because he didn't have much and he he, he didn't have a take a bath very often didn't smell very good and people would always talk about him and and, uh, and make fun of him and pick on him and, and you know we don't know I don't know tell him what his situation was like at home I don't know but I know one thing it wasn't right for people to do that it wasn't right for anybody to treat him that way or anybody for that matter you know I think God is especially close to those who are poor. I think God especially takes pity on them. And uh again that's why he said it's insulting to God. Because you know, I know I know how it is if if I hear somebody being a bully and picking on somebody who who's less fortunate Well it causes your anger to boil up in you. It's like how dare you treat somebody unfortunate, somebody who, who, who has less than you, somebody who Who's never had the love and the favor and the attention and the benefits and all the the, the privileges that you've had and you're gonna berate them and belittle them? It's it, it'll make you blood boil. Thank God I think God gets upset too, my friends. I think we better be careful of the attitude we carry around in this world. Because you know all of it's just dirt and moisture held together by God's grace and that's all. That's all it is. Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. Isn't that sweet? I like that. God says if you if you if you give some money out of your pocket to the poor, you're just lending it to me. You know God don't ever forget to pay you back. God take care of somebody if they if they take care of those around them less fortunate. God's a good God. And God doesn't tell no stories. The Bible says and that which he hath given, he w- will he pay him back again. Not the poor man will pay you back, but God will pay you back. You can't outgive God. I wish you'd try. I wish some of you'd just start trying to outgive God and see what happens. God blow your mind. God will really blow your mind. Let me read you one more verse and we're done. Proverbs twenty eight, twenty seven. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. That's a promise from God. So if we if we try to take care of somebody around us who's, who's struggling, if we try to be a blessing to somebody who's doing without, God says you won't do without. I'll make sure you don't you don't do without. Uh, but the Bible says, "He that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse." Again, the person who who doesn't want to help, who just turns a blind eye to it, God says, "Well, it's not going to be easy on you." But if, boy, if you if you put your if you put your heart into taking care of others i make sure that you don't ever have to suffer for it god's good like that he's a good heavenly father and he loves he loves uh, his people and he surely loves those who are down and out and uh we got a bunch of them in our country we got a bunch of them in our cities and we ought to remember to pray for those who are suffering remember to lift up the poor and the needy because they're always going to be there it's always going to be that way as long as we live in a sinful world but man i'd hate to be on that end wouldn't you I'm sure glad God's blessed me, and since he's blessed me, if I have opportunity, I'll take advantage and help somebody when I can, and you ought to as well. Let's remember to do that. Thank you for listening tonight. It's been a privilege to come to you, and as the sun's going down here uh, south of Tyler, I'm just thankful for my church family, thankful for my Facebook uh, community out there who who's followed this and listened, and and uh, I thank you for all the times you, you tune in and listen to our services we're just a little country church in Clarksville, Texas, but we're a friendly church and we love people and we love the word of God. We love that old King James Bible. We love the truth. We love Jesus and we want to proclaim him to as many as will listen. So I urge you, if you've got somebody in your life that you know of that needs this kind of uh, teaching and preaching, uh, let them know about us. Uh, send them a link to us and uh, let them know that there's truth out there to be had. If you're in the Clarksville, Texas area, and you don't have a church home, uh, maybe you're in the 50-mile radius. You ought to come. It's worth the drive to come to a church that's alive. And we're at 303 Short Street in Clarksville, Texas. We'd love to have you there. I'm Brother Brandon Teague, and I want to say to you tonight before I get off here, if somebody's listening in and you're not 100% sure that if you died tonight that you'd go to heaven, why don't you get it settled tonight? Can I tell you there's nothing you can do? But Jesus has already done what's necessary for you. My friends, 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross. Not not for anything that he had done, but he died for you and he died for me. Because, you see, you and I are sinners. And I don't like I have to go into great detail to explain that to you. We've all done wrong. You know, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. That means if you and I get what we deserve because of our sin, we'll have to go to hell and burn forever. But God doesn't want that, and that's why he let Jesus, his only begotten son, die and take your sins and my sins upon him, and he let Jesus be punished in our place. Jesus was forsaken of God because you and I were forsaken of God. God turned his back and let the Son of God die alone, paying our suffering, our debt, and he did that for you and I. My friend, he didn't stay dead, though they put him in a borrowed tomb. Three days and three nights later, he rose from the grave. He's alive evermore. He was seen of over 500 witnesses, and he ascended back into heaven. There's more historical proof for the for the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there are for many other things that are believed as rock-solid truth in this world. I'm telling you, he's alive ever, forevermore, and he paid you sin debt. And if you'll receive that gift, he did it. That's what he means by the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus paid everything that satisfied the wrath of the Almighty God on account of our sins. He paid it all, and now and now that gift of God is available to you and I. And the gates are open. All you have to do is come to Him. Like I told you in that story, the door's open. All you gotta do is walk out and receive that gift. Come to Jesus and say, Lord, I need to be saved, and I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried, but you rose from the grave, and I'm trusting you tonight to be my Savior. If you'd believe on him and ask him to save you tonight, it doesn't take perfect words. It's not a magic prayer. It's just an honest heart saying to God, I need to be washed in the blood of Jesus and have my sins washed away. Forgive me of my sins, Father, and for Jesus' sake. I put all of it on him, and I trust him. Would you do that tonight? If you do that, my friend, he'll save you. Let's pray together. Father, I love you. I thank you, for, Lord, for our church. I thank you for those who listen tonight. And, Lord, I thank you for the ones maybe who are listening who are, who are at the point of trusting Christ. And, Lord, I pray right now, right where they are, that they'd believe on Jesus. They'd call on him and say something like this, Jesus, I know you died for me. I believe that you paid for my sins. And right this very moment, I'm trusting you to pay for it, to take it away, to make it all go away, to wash my sins away. I'm believing on you once and for all and receiving the gift of everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Praise your name, Lord. I thank you so much. And Lord, my prayer is that somebody out there trusted you as their Savior. Father, Thank you for each one who tuned in. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, you bless them as, as we go about our evening. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, if there's somebody out there looking for a church home, they come and visit with us at 303 Short Street. Lord, we'd just be so glad to have them with us. And, Lord, we thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, it's been good to be with you this evening. And I my prayer is, is that the Lord bless you. And I'll see you come Sunday morning. And uh, you have a blessed evening. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Evening and I, my prayer is that the Lord bless you, and I'll see you come Sunday morning, and uh, you have a blessed evening. God bless you. Good evening. Yeah, it is. Until Showtime. I'm hoping everybody can see the top of my head. I need to raise it up just a hair. and behind me is Lake Palestine, just south of Tyler, Texas, and that's where my wife and I are celebrating our 12th wedding anniversary, and it's a blessing to be able to come down here.